Hello there, thank you for tuning in and welcome to another episode of Here For Each Other where I get to interview much loved and respected people who are passionate about the relationship between emotional expression and mental health, especially as it relates to men. Today we are speaking with two times surfing world champion Tom Carroll. Yes, we are. Tom was world champ back in 1983 and 1984 and probably would have been world champ again in 85 if it wasn't for the fact that he boycotted the South African leg of the tour in protest against apartheid. Legend, what a legend. As well as his two world championships throughout his career, Tom Carroll took out 26 world tour wins, which includes three Pipe Masters victories in 87, 90, and 91. We do talk a little bit about surfing, but primarily our focus is on addiction, mental health, meditation, and Aussie male culture. Tom is very open about his struggles with addiction, and he is perhaps most passionate about the role that meditation and seeking help from others can play in recovery. We pick up this interview just as Tom is opening up about the time that he won arguably the world's most prestigious event on the world tour surfing calendar, being the Pipe Masters. For those who don't know, the Bunzai Pipeline on the North Shore of Oahu in Hawaii is one of the heaviest, most dangerous, and most exciting waves in the world. However, what makes this moment in time all the more extraordinary is that Tom won this event the very day after his much-loved older sister Josephine tragically died in a terrible car accident back home in Australia. How on earth is such a thing possible? So humbling. This was an amazing interview to do. It is a rare privilege to interview a sporting hero in my favorite of all recreational activities being surfing tom's raw energy and honesty it's utterly arresting he stopped me dead in my tracks on multiple occasions tom was incredibly generous with his time and aside from being just a really upbeat and fun person to be around he's also deeply insightful intelligent kind and very well versed with life's challenges as you might expect so thank you very much for tuning in and i really hope that you enjoy our conversation today and uh yeah and i lost my sister the night before the pipeline masters the year before and that and that that loss completely um, took away everything trivial. Mm. Anything that was worth worrying about disappeared. Mm. And I was like, my dad said, don't come home uh, because, you know, our sister had died in a car accident, dear sister Josephine, and it it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I, I, I was so angry. I'd never felt that kind of anger before, but it was anger came up and I was super angry and... Um, not at anyone particular, just anger out of nowhere. It just blew up in me. I go, wow, I can't believe how angry I am. <laughs> I didn't realise I could get this angry. And I was like, oh, I couldn't do it. I was so powerless. And, and, um, but it was, it was a force inside me. And I've gone, anyway, it was very sad. And I was talked to my dad at home. I was in Hawaii waiting for the Pipeline Masters to run. And he said, oh, look, Tom, um, Joe would like you to go and win the Poplar Masters. Don't worry about Don't come home. She'd really like you to win that, that event. And um, 
it was uh, a moment where everything was out of the way. Like, no, I, I, I sat into the rhythm of the ocean with the, a kind of a cosmic consciousness attack moment where I was in it, not caught up with any trivial stuff that my mind could attach to, to think that I could sort of, you know, escape from my situation or get out of this competitive situation, get out. Because quite often I didn't really like competition. I was sort of more into the artistic form of surfing, more of the actual getting the best wave and performing and the feeling of the performance. It wasn't necessarily, oh, I've got to win, I've got to win, I've got to win. But by then that I was on a campaign to win another world title, about a three-year kind of thing. But I wanted to win a Pipeline Masters. I really wanted to win a Pipeline Masters. And that day came, uh, I had the loss, that Josephine leaving cleared a kind of space that I can't, I can't even sort of touch on, you know, with words other than I could point it to the fact that everything has become trivial because it's such a powerful um, moment when you lose someone so close and they're so dear and you don't even know it at the moment how the effect is going to be on us. But uh, talking about anger for, for a minute mm-hmm. and also grief as well, I mean, these are, mm. it's really interesting that you talk about this. I mean, that's one hell of a situation to, to be dealing with, going out into mm. one of the most important events of the, of the whole year into some extraordinary surf and, and you've just found out that your sister has died. And, mm. I mean, talking about anger and grief in our cultural setting where we're at right now, psychologists uh psychology describes these emotions as negative emotions and i I understand that's got relevance in the dsm or in in technical psychology uh jargon um but when we take ideas like anger or grief that they're that they're somehow bad that they're somehow negative and yet in your situation it provided you with incredible clarity and Mm. as you talk about Mm. it really just helped you to block out all of these Mm. unimportant irrelevant chatter that was Mm. in your mind and and gave you this well i mean look at where that can go like at at the at the worst possible end of that chatter where it can go like um we can turn into like it can turn into like gossip you know, oh, gossip, 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 gossip. You know, we can turn these things and our imagination go on and on and on. And we turn into the, we can turn the mind over a billion different ways on how to go to that other side of that. Whereas I was lucky I had a platform as pipeline competition in this amazing kind of fully absorbing environment that I've been in and I've felt comfortable in uh, to some degree. You know, there's always discomfort. In, in those settings, but it, it's something I could sink my teeth into with with all my physical being and my mental being. I could sink my teeth and I could go go into this and I could feel it. I guess at some level, I guess I didn't want to feel the anger because I didn't understand it. But, yeah, um, when I look back on it, it did focus me. Mm. Just still mm. st- sitting on this anger and, and grief topic, you just said then you didn't want to feel it. They can be dreadfully uncomfortable emotions. Of course they can. Yeah. And we do lots of things to avoid feeling these emotions mm-hmm. in our lives, don't we? And um, Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. I mean, I have too, but, you know, this interview is not about me, mate. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's, that's what happened on that event. You know, I win the event, dedicate it to Joe, but then after that it was like party time. So I didn't really get to sort of grieve Joe in the sense that I spent the next sort of week kind of like being sad and it was a bit of a blur, you know, the next week, you know, and I was just partying and, and um kind of blocking those uncomfortable feelings in a way. Blocking it all out, yeah, trying to and just being overly emotional really too, that I didn't really get to in go in it was always out outward you know and parting is always outward um it's always sort of an outer outer referral thing you know even though you're kind of doing things to yourself that's it is it's all outer outer referral whereas um inner referral would have been a much healthier option (laughs) for sure and i think you know down the track um it always comes up you know you're stuffing it down stuffing it down pushing it down, and that's another kind of stress. It goes into the system. It gets shoved into wherever it goes within the body because it's always revealed within the body. So the body kind of like holds on, holds on, holds on, holds on. It's some some spot in the body, in this amazing physical body, it'll hold on. So talking about that, what happens mm. now? Because, of course, you know, we all have to deal with these Terribly uncomfortable emotions. Mm. What happens now when you sit with it? If it's really effective, like whatever's going on, affecting me, mm. uh, and it's really bubbling, I'll just go into the body and, and just sit with whatever's going on. And then if I can identify where it is in the body, uh, a physical part of the body where it is, I just go into that um, breathe into it and breathe into it. And it just doesn't have much and then it just sort of dissolves. There's no, it's no thing. It just needs to be nurtured, that little part, in a very gentle way. And if it's really charged anger, which is pretty, you know, really charged anger, it's probably good for me to do something physical. Mm. Um to express that used, and recognise ex- that. Yeah, do something physical to kind of get it through, to start the process of getting it through. And if it's sort of very rarely today anything really lasts for me, it doesn't glue, glue on. If it's something really close to me and something happens and I see people, humans being really, really bad towards, well, not bad, but just being violent towards each other, I kind of, get affected by that but we all do i think there's nothing Mm. but there's something to be sat with with that because it's got nothing to do with me (laughs) and and i can't change the situation they've got to go through it they've got to go through but can can i put an idea towards you yeah so one of the things that i've noticed is that Mm. um like emotions themselves are neither Good nor bad. They, they yeah, just yeah, are. Yeah. Some of them are really comfortable. Yeah. Whatever it is, you have a nice meal, it tastes great. We all want to feel great, of course, all the time. But does that make them good emotions? Positive, mm. I'm not so sure, because some of my greatest learnings personally have come from sitting with what is going on here? Why do I feel so 
desperately unhappy and mm. actually allowing myself to understand what the actual mm. cause of that is and mm. whether I'm frustrated at my family for not being mm. seen because I didn't, you know, I got that mm. thing and nobody said anything about mm. it and I was overlooked mm. or, you know, I'm yeah. lonely, you know, or as opposed to just feeling shit. Yeah. And I can start to develop a plan. I can do things that uh, mm. will be able to ideally resolve the situation or take me to the next stage. Absolutely. So, uh, and I love that this will too will pass. And now, you know, that saying this too will shall pass. I mean, it doesn't make any sense when we're right into it. <laughs> we're going, fuck off. Oh, that's <laughs> but, so true. Uh, but really, it's like, uh, it, it, it will. It's going to pass. It will yeah. pass. And You're talking about emotions, right? Emotions, waves of emotion, and waves are a really good way of talking about that yeah. stuff. Like it's a wave of emotion will come over about a certain thing, and and then you'll have a thought in another wave, and and then a constructor an idea about something, and you'll get another wave. So there's just pulses, mm. and uh, pulses of it. It feels infinite at the time, time. though. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm in the middle of this and I can't get past this moment because I'm holding on, really, like you said. But the funny thing is, if someone tells me to, um, you know, oh, just just let go, Tom, you know, like, (laughs) I'll just like, fuck off. You know, that's my response because I'm in it and I'm feeling just, for them, they're just looking at you going, just, what are you what are you talking about? Just let go of it. They're just puzzled because you're caught in this seemingly, you're just down the rabbit hole of the, the crap that you're in. But uh, my experience definitely is that it just passes. And, like, you have a kind of a funny day and a funky day and then you have a kind of a cool day. And if you're really open to it, you might even be happy <laughs> at some point. Our biggest calling today is to have a practice that keeps us open to the good stuff that comes along. So, because the good stuff's come along all the time. It's just, it's always here. It's the good stuff's going on. And then there's what we like to label as the good stuff and the bad stuff. It's always going on. Both sides are going on at the same time. It's great. It's the law of nature. It's just pumping along, fizzing along. And and at some level, I want to kind of control it. So that's just... uh, that's what creates more suffering than in anything. Is is so the I'll, resistance? Is it the so resistance? The controlling? Yeah, I will, I will. I better get better get control here with this thing, this emotion, you know, and um, particularly you know sadness or grieving. Grieving brings up all kinds of different stuff. And like you said before, it it is discomfort. Is there? And discomfort, I think, and all we talked about training, physical training, the body needs to be put under stress for it to become stronger. The body needs to be put under, needs to be challenged. You know, the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the, you know, the whole, all these, this incredible thing needs to be put under stress. You can see what happens when we don't. Yeah. You can see what happens when we sit on the couch all day. Yeah. Look at us when we don't take a risk and put ourselves into situations. I mean, people with, you know, that just 
can't walk out. They get to a point where where we can't go outside because we're so scared. <laughs> you know, like we're so scared that we've got to be inside in air conditioning and, and how's that going for you? So the system becomes sick. The immune system is really highly compromised and the physical body becomes weak. So we need to go out there and challenge ourselves. So, so that, that's the body, right? Mm. So, I mean, I'm just looking at this from a, a basic mm. mental health statistical point of view where yeah, we're yeah. looking at things like, you know, the rate of male suicide is just, it's just extraordinarily much higher for men than it is for mm. women. Is this some biological thing? Are we just mm. crapper at not killing ourselves, at not ending our own lives? Or is there something else going on here? Like, I love what you're talking about in this physical sense, like to get stronger we need to expose ourselves to adversity. Mm. We need to, like, mm. what about mentally? What's well, happening well, there? Well, an, an adverse thing for us males on a, a cultural narrative, a social narrative, familial narrative, is the most uncomfortable thing is to be vulnerable. Yeah, right. Right? If I'm going to cry, like I'm crying about something, that, that means I'm weak. So this is a very powerful message. This is one message that's sent through our male population in particular, that you're weak if you show any sort of vulnerability. And this is ongoing. This is so old. This is an ancient message. So this goes along with the physical. I was kind of coming from the physical to give you an idea of if we don't challenge the cells of the body, Mm. the same goes with the mind. Mm. If we don't challenge the mind Mm. and actually cultivate it, put the seed in there, just implant the seed uh, and start with the little things of, you know, okay, sort of talking about how we are. How are we? Yeah. How am how I you, feeling? How are you how really going? How am I feeling? Yeah. Identify a feeling. How did I, how am I feeling? You know, like, I remember being in, uh, in, in um, hardcore drug addiction so five years, the last five years of my drug addiction, you're going as far away as you can from your emotional state. I'm trying my hardest to iron it out. <laughs> I'm like going for broke. I'm trying to break, just punch the conscious ceiling of, of, of everything, just get as far away from it as possible. So when they fall, when you fall, fall from grace, because it's going to happen, corrective experience comes, mm. boom. Oh, Oh, I've got three beautiful daughters. I've got a beautiful family. There's all this kind of cool stuff. And all I wanted to do is be loved. <laughs> and you're kind of sitting in this space. And then the first thing they do in the rehab is put these emotions, faces. And this is an angry face. And this is a, and what do you do every morning when you first wake up? You go and check in and they go, uh, so what are you feeling? Are you feeling angry, sad, uh, love? you know, all these different feelings um, all the way around the wall and they ask you, what are your feelings? It's a feelings check. I've gone, feelings check? Fuck. What are you talking about? Fucking feelings. I feel fucked. Great <laughs> vocabulary. Feeling- yeah. yeah. I, I feel uh, fucked I, I, or I feel great. I, I, yeah, that, there's no, there's yeah. no. Oh, you I can be angry feel- though. You're allowed to be angry. And you nah, can be, yeah. I just fucked. Just put down as fucked, right? Yeah, yeah. Just one word, fucked, and then yeah. and and then and then I'm feeling unreal. Yeah, great. Yeah. But what 
it, and there's nothing in between. So yeah. coming back, you know, addictions like that, you know, we're skirting around the edges of what they call bipolar. You know, you're really kind of, you, you're creating a bipolar scenario within the mind mm. with addiction, heavy addiction, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, you know, um, gambling addiction, love addiction, da da da, da all addiction. We're kind of hanging out there on the outskirts of our capability to run extreme, extreme this way or that. So coming back to the middle, we can sort of feel all those different and identify a feeling. And God, it's taken me a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning. Well, so as a bloke, mm. it's been tricky, you know, and then that's the only place I've, that was a starting point, falling down and then starting being open to feelings, you know, like, mm, wow. So that's what it is. Do you think that men have much of a vocabulary when it comes to actually articulating what they feel? <laughs> uh, there's some really good blokes around that mm. I know that can really articulate a lot better than me too, like, uh, and younger guys too that have got a really nice hold in their emotional content. Speaking their broadly. Life. Speaking really broadly. broadly. Like if okay, you're broadly. Yeah. No, 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 no. We don't have a, a grasp. Uh, it's a she'll be right, mate. Yeah, slap you on the back. You'll be right, mate. Yeah. Man, I want to do that sometimes. I just want to oh, you'll be right, yeah. mate. I just go, that ain't the right thing to say, Tom. You, you, you like, are you kidding me? Look at, the, look at this poor guy. He's fucked. Again, I'll use that word. But he's he's toasted, and, yeah. and but he's not going to be all right. He's not right right now. I'm seeing mm. some sort of a paradox here. It's really interesting because you've got all these guys who are like, she'll be right, mate, you know, roll mm. up my sleeves. I'm all tough. But mm. what it really looks like is you're actually shit scared. Yeah. Just trying to kind of work with the fear mm. that underlies every action. Yeah. That I'm not enough. I'm not. I'm not capable. I'm fuck. I'm just about to fall. I'm about to fall in, fall in a hole, <laughs> uh, of tears, and and all of a sudden this whole bunch of grief comes up. Yeah. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. About something that happened in my life, that's rigged into the system that that's just wants to just bubble up and be dealt with. And I think for us males, the capacity to identify what's going on for us is pretty pretty low like you know i know that for women that you know all the girls in around my life women in my life they can identify what's going on for me much better than what i can identify with myself so uh and i don't want to hear that i uh i don't want to hear that no no i got this <laughs> you know and well, it's and pretty uncomfortable. My, We're talking about uncomfortable stuff. Yeah, discomfort, yeah, it's such discomfort. But we need our ability to kind of be, oh, she'll be right, mate. Oh, no, I've got this. It's okay, you know. And then a couple of days later, oh, shit, I don't, I don't really have it at all. And look at it and she'll just go, well, I was trying to tell you. I could see something was going on for you. And it's something about the female mind that can actually see within us. And the male mind doesn't like it. It just um, it doesn't want to see it, and it wants to cope, cope with the scenario, 
and do it on my own. I want to do it on my own, particularly on my own. Mm. This is a very dangerous place to be. Yes, totally. I mean, that's yeah. that's one mm. of the things that experts tell us, isn't it? They, they mm. say, you know, that um, some of the fundamental reasons why men are ending their lives at such a higher rate than are women, despite the fact that women are attempting to end their lives so much more. Mm. Yeah, one mm. of the main reasons is that we're not... Um, I mean, we choose more lethal means by which to end our own lives, for one, but in terms of, in terms of sort of social, cultural aspects, we are not seeking help and we're not making decisions as a collective in the context of an actual relationship. Yeah. You know, you talk about the male mind and the female mind. It, to me, it's like, what, is this, is this something we're born with? Is this biological or is this mm. a cultural situation or is mm. it a bit, you know, it's probably some, you know, little from column, mate, little from column. Yeah. Being, well, I think ultimately within us, uh, both, we're both masculine and feminine. We have the masculine and feminine sides. You can see the masculine females and you can see the mm. feminine males. It's so obvious that this is... A, a big uh, part of who we are. There's a part of me that wants to nurture myself, that wants to care for myself and nurture myself in a specific way. If I'm not allowing that voice to be heard and it gets overrun by the cultural narrative from out, outside and I'm not listening to that, things get sketchy. Uh, that's for me. That's what I, I feel. and That's what I feel. I feel that within me. And, and it's a very beautiful thing to express it. I sense that it's a life-giving thing. Mm. The male side of me wants to just knuckle down on it. Um, and actually, on a whole, on a grand scheme of things, it seems to marry in with it very well because it, it'll, it'll, it'll give it some sort of impetus to kind of get moving. And... Um, does that make sense to you? There's yeah. a masculine and feminine side. Oh, totally, and, yeah. And, uh, and they're working together. They're not working against each other. No. They're kind of working together. But one can be more dominant than the other yeah. at any given point in time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, uh, you know, oh, I see something beautiful and I really look at it and when I really sink myself into the beauty of it, mm. what part of me is saying that? Like, uh, it's a beautiful thing, like, and I, you know, a song or a sound or a colour, and then and then all of a sudden there's the masculine side going, oh, no, you better not fucking show me mates that. Fuck, yeah. mates, you know. So if well, better, not, better, not, me, better not express, you know, yeah, that I care yeah, for something in front of some yeah. mates or something. Yeah. Oh, isn't, that, isn't that bird beautiful, you know, like, yeah. you know, like, oh, no, well, these guys, uh, they're well wrong, you know. Come on, mate. Couldn't are you shit. talking about? What I've found in time that um, I like specific music that might not go along with being, I like classical music. You know, I like, um, I like detail in, in ballet. Like I've been, I just love that, you know, and I actually did some dance to train for my first world title. I mean, things like that, especially then, 1984 was like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> things like that were kind of needed to step out to explore. And I think 
for us males, um, the willingness to sort of step outside and sort of tune in to what's going really on inside us mm. and reach out uh, when things aren't right, that mm. I'm not feeling great at all, mm. I, I, things are going wrong here, to actually turn around and be willing to to share that experience that you're having with someone. To express you yourself. Yeah. It's just, so just, express it. Yeah. Mm. This is it. And, I, and, I, and I'm kind of stuffed. So uh, we can paint ourselves into a corner of our own little ex- our existence and it'll just get smaller and more restricted, but we can sort of open out. I think that's a big one for us. Um, Probably something us that, that animals males. are really, really wonderful at also mm. showing us, as you're saying, mm. us males too, is, mm. I mean, for me, one of the reasons why I love animals is because they don't hold back. No, nah. they just express what they yeah, are they're, and where they're at. They're right and we're all we all want that. Like we all want mm. to feel loved and that mm. freedom that they have, that liberation. They don't have these bloody cultural barriers mm. in the way of saying you're going to be less mm. of a male cat if you go and purr or rub up against this guy at this point in time. Mm. What's old Joey down the road going to think of you when he walks past next? We get all but, hung but up. But our potential is so extraordinary; you can make iPhones. So you can see with the potential mm. of what we've got, we can go either way. Kind of draws me to the idea of meditation mm. as being key relevant practice for today. So that's what's been really um, big in my life. And I'm actually start now I'm a teacher of the meditation technique called the Vedic, Vedic technique, Vedic meditation technique, same as uh, transcendental meditation it's a practice of 20 minutes twice a day with a mantra. So it's really just electing, you know, putting your hand up to be particularly be a part of your own, your be a part of and sink into the evolutionary processes that are happening right now. You're actually coming to nothing. <laughs> that sounds absurd to the achievement goal oriented mind that has to you know get out there and do stuff uh daily and take on the world like kind of like a bloke does you know so in that we choose to do that we put a hand up that's willingly to do that uh at a very young age that happens super young and it's in a collective it's in the social narrative of being a male it's in this is what we must do but the actual idea of sitting back and sitting and coming to a mantra or coming to a breath and doing nothing for 20 minutes and thinking that's going to do me any good doesn't wash too well with that one. So what we do is we end up being a do-do, BB, do-do, BB person until we get a corrected experience. And then by then it might be kind of something kind of serious we kind of go down all kind of different angles and i did particularly with addiction drug addiction and they said oh that person's bad they're a drug addict (laughs) it's sort of like it's it's us trying to go for love uh, in all the wrong places trying to connect trying to trying to connect trying to make a trying to make a connection trying to get the connection going so you're right David, and then, and so I went hard 
for the connection. And I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find it there. It kind of lasted for a while. Kind of, some people take it to the grave. Okay. So, and in fact, what ends up being with addiction, I can, from experience, absolute best is ridiculous. So you've got this line of that's my best and it's ridiculous. Worst is death. So you've got death and ridiculous and that's your life. So, and everyone's looking and going, oh, my God, and I can't hear anyone. And until something really full-on happens, until there's enough of a, a situation happens where I wake up, a lot of people don't have And so luckily I had that awakening and that I could actually see I had this, this, this window of opportunity to possibly do something. And I reached out for help. And at that point, there was um, an instruction to meditate. And I've gone, and it's in the 12 steps program. And 11th step talks about we saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with a God of your own understanding. You don't have to believe in God in this thing anyway, but it's just a higher power, power greater than yourself because you've been your higher power. You've been the higher power the whole time. It hasn't worked. <laughs> so we've got to seek that. But in the prayer and meditation work, we start to connect, make a deeper connection. And once we start to make that connection within, we're way more, and that's what happened for me. Things started to move when I started to put this practice, which I had no, there's no way I could sit for five minutes. No way. <laughs> Couldn't sit for five minutes. If you, it's a very practical thing to do. Sit down. Be quiet. <laughs> yeah, it's good for our nervous system just straight up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's got these incredible benefits. Mm. And you're not trying to stop thinking. Yes. That's one never... of the things that yeah. just yeah. drives me up the wall is everybody thinks that it's, oh, you turn into this, mm. you know, nothing. You're just completely clear. It's like. Mm. Well, that's a fantasy. You see, you see pictures of people meditating on a rock, this beautiful girl, and the sun rises behind her and the silhouette of this beautiful girl, and she's got a. Yeah, he's got a you know hands in the mudra, you know, sitting there, and and she's all um, like that, <laughs> and she's thinking about a thousand thoughts a minute. That's exactly a second, right. A second. So yeah. she's actually there thinking, in that position, having the photo taken. That's mm. all that's happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And isn't that one of that's one of the first things that we notice when we first start meditating? Yeah. Where you know, yeah. for me, it took quite a while. I, I, I was mm. doing what you're just mm. described as that woman. I'm like, oh. I'm meditating right now. Right now I am meditating. You know, I'm like, I'm totally not meditating. I'm like, I'm thinking I'm meditating. I think then, I'm meditating. Yeah, yeah. but then when and I'm, I'm actually thinking. That's it. But then when I start to actually see that I mm. am thinking that I'm mm. meditating, mm. all of a sudden I'm meditating because mm. I am observing that my mind mm. is mm. just like it's like a hamster in a wheel it's mm. just discursive mm. thought from just that i remember for the first time i tried to just focus on my breath for 10 seconds and i could not <laughs> even get close i would no. the brain i don't I, I just had no idea that my brain mm. was that it worked like that i was just so it's amazing yeah yeah and so this is a practice that gave me a chance to have a gap between my first thought and action. 
Wow. So this is the moment where I got to, got to see it. Like you just expressed then, you just explained your experience and it's exactly the same. There's no different. Everyone will have A bit, of, have bit of separation, did it? A bit, a bit, of, a bit of a moment. And all, all, yeah, because otherwise I'm compulsive. But every thought that I, every thought I have, well, I, I will identify with it. And that identification with that thought, I'm gone. I'm taken. Mm. I may not never come back <laughs> you just, to you, the moment. You, you're defined because by that thought. I'm either in the future or the past, and I'm not even here when I'm here. So, mm. so this is, uh, and I was putting stuff in my body that was amplifying that. Mm. And uh, so I'd done quite a few years of amplifying it. So I was pretty twisted, <laughs> but I was opened by that moment of falling from grace, that corrective experience that there'd been so many times that have been trying to correct me. Nature tries to correct us, sends the message, oh, you better learn here, Tom. Oh, maybe you shouldn't do that, tap, tap, tap. And it's first is a little tap, and then it gets stronger. It might be something physical that happens to us. It might be something emotional, but it's going to get louder and it's going to get stronger until we learn that the best thing we can do here is become humble and to listen and to actually ask for help. Actually, truly, from the bottom of my heart, ask and actually admit I need help. Now, it doesn't need to get that bad. It just doesn't need to get that bad. We can actually do it. And I see people who function daily live and who are quite functional in their life, happy or sad or whatever condition they're in, that they're actually able to say, oh, look, I'm not doing so well. And these people can function. These people can get their life in order and they go for they just got more order in their life and it's not so chaotic and they're more available for their children. They're more less to less likely to be outbursts of rage and anger that have got nothing to do with the situation in front of them. But we can do this particularly by putting our hand up for this simple practice. And that's what I did back in 2006. And I didn't know what was coming up. Uh, I had no idea that, if I put this into practice, I was told I wasn't really willing to really listen, but I was told that my, it's something in me was going, oh, I've got to meditate because I've got, to, I've got to sit still. I can't stop moving. So creating that gap, that was the first real realisation that all of a sudden I didn't have to act on that first thought. I had an option then. I actually was given another option, and that is to sit and have a look at the second thought that, oh, well, imagine if I went for that first thought. I think I would have hurt someone. I would have hurt myself. I would have caused more carnage. And the odd feeling is when you come in from active addiction is that you're trying to find yourself. You've been trying to find yourself in the drugs. <laughs> you've been trying to find yourself, but you've been there all the whole time. <laughs> That's the cool thing is that you realise, oh, I'm in here all the time. Hmm. I'm not that which was the illusion and, or delusion. And so I was delusory, you know, de deluded. And so coming back in, and I don't say that in a derogatory sense, it's just a fact. And 
there I am sitting all of a sudden in meditation and I can see. And like you said, it becomes a, a really nice thing to do daily. Yeah, and feels good. Daily. Do it daily. Mm. Don't do it just little bits and pieces at a time. There was a moment I remember you, it was coming up to Christmas and you needed some separation from the environment that you were in. Mm. Um, and a mate of yours, I think his name was Murray Close. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd recently been, or not, maybe not that recently, but your brother speaks beautifully about how uh, he, Murray had flogged uh, 150 bucks from him yeah, and then had repaid him that money because part of the 12 steps is to make amends. Mm. And mm. I just actually, before I continue going down this story, mm. I want to say that the tw- I've done the 12 steps, not because Great. of through alcoholism or mm. smoking too much pot or something, which yeah. are challenges that I've very much had in my life. But I did them because I was just plagued by my own demons. Every time yes. I had this, this great thought, oh, I'm like, and I'd feel good, then I'd remember I'm actually shit. And I'd yeah. remember all of those things that everybody has ever said to me that I took on board and all these mm. resentments I had for people and all mm. these resentments I had for mm. myself. And it was like a, mm. a pitchfork coming along and just bursting yeah. my bubble of feeling good. Ah. And I was... Because I was drinking a bit much at the time, I mm. read through Russell Brand's book, Recovery, mm. which uh, right. articulates his journey through the 12 steps. And I'm reading fantastic. this book. Uh, I don't know. Have you read it? It's in, it's yeah. A, yeah, it's yeah. a great book. He's, he's, he's a funny yeah. dude. He's really funny. Great. He's great. Yeah. For the whole thing. And, um, mm. yeah, awesome stories, uh, particularly the one about when his wife's giving birth and she, she's, yeah. she's in the bath and he's got her head out there and she's got yeah. her anyway. Um, yeah, it's classic. It's so funny. Uh, he's such a funny dude. But I started hearing this and I'm like, wow, like I should just do these 12 steps because they just sound really wholesome. Like it's a coming, really good. It's a, just a, there's some freaking genius going on it's, in terms it's of divine. terms with what you've done and what, what yeah. Murray did with your brother. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to be addicted to drugs and, you know, we should probably yeah. talk about addiction in a broader sense, maybe after this, but, but Murray literally just made amends. Like Murray's Murray was just, he did wrong by yeah. your brother. And yes, sure. Mm. It was, drug mm-hmm. addiction that caused him to actually do wrong by, by yeah. Nick, but then he made amends and it was the 12 steps that got him through that. And gee whiz, the healing, helped, it helped me so much. I, yeah, sure. I've still got crap. I still carry yeah. baggage around, but mm. it is so much less baggage than what I used to. Yeah. It just held me back from, you know, we're talking about this present moment, this moment where we've got mm. so much stuff coming at us. And if we've got all this baggage mm. that we're, pretending we don't have yeah yeah so yeah what a beautiful guy murray was hey to, to yeah. help you yeah. through that period you he know, was so- awesome muzz he gave me really strong grounding the first three steps which are very powerful the first three steps are you know admitting that i have a that i'm powerless over my addiction and that my life had become unmanageable so You've got two aspects to the first step, that you're admitting something, that you are an addict, that I'm clearly an addict, 
Yeah, I mean, you can admit that you're an addict and you're still an addict because you can tell yourself, oh, come on, I can sleep and I'm an addict, but I keep using. But you can't admit that your life's unmanageable. Okay, so step one, it's, I'm talking step one, mm-hmm. okay? And step one has two aspects. Two aspects are, you know, admitting that I'm a addict or an alcoholic or a gambler or I'm a food addict, da-da-da-da, I'm an addict. And then the thing is about that is that the first aspect is you can admit that when you're actually in active addiction. You can say that. But to say the second part and fully admit to the whole of my life's become unmanageable, that's a hard one because, because my life, I can sort of pull life off being an addict, functional addict, mm. a functional alcoholic, a functional this, and feel this and tr- still try to fill the hole. It's, 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 just, it's a bottomless pit with whatever you're putting in yourself and your life's going to shit, but you still don't want to see it. So the first step has to be fully recognised to go to the second step. And then the second one came to believe in a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. So the second step is beautiful because you're sort of like maybe opening up. You're opening up. You've admitted you're kind of falling from grace yeah, my life's unmanageable. It's kind of turned to shit. I can see it really. It hasn't kind of, it is. It's gone. And then all of a sudden, the second one, oh, and I've been doing it all on my own. (laughs) I've been trying to pull this shit off on my own. (laughs) I'm fucked and I can't do it. And then, uh, oh, there's something that could restore me to sanity. I came to believe in a power could restore me to sanity. Could Could I be restored to sanity? I can see that other people here are trying to help me who are actually in recovery and they're, they're actually getting their life together and actually laughing about it. I'm far, I can't laugh about anything. I haven't had a good laugh for ages. I mean, so caught up in addiction that I can't. There's no such thing as laughter in active addiction. No such thing. Unless you're in complete utter denial, even then you can't laugh properly because you're so affected. So these people are actually having a chuckle about it, having a laugh and having a good time. They're actually happy. How does that work? Well, they've worked on it through working these steps. Oh, the steps. Uh, and now I'm on the second step now. I came to believe that a power greater than me, is there a power greater than me? Mm, a bit wary of that. And then the third one is um, we turned our will and our life over to the care of, of God of our understanding and that then we kind of turn this whole life when we say we're not handing the life we're not giving the responsibility to everyone else we're actually making a decision the first time in our life to ask for help Mm. with that through that 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 power that's greater than us and the power greater than us is sharing with another person who who or sharing it with someone who's actually doing it, living it, and have worked through the path of recovery, and they can actually offer you some feedback. And then through having a faith in a higher power, that could be God, could be described as God. I couldn't get that first, but Muzz gave me the idea that maybe take G-O-D, good orderly direction here, Tom. (laughs) And that's how I took it. And um, because I didn't trust God, mm. it took me a while to see that 
that um, there's a greater force underlying everything that I can trust that is actually doing stuff for me that I couldn't do for myself mm. um, already in, in day-to-day life and happening right now. So those three steps were very paramount before we start to go to those healing fourth, fifth, and sixth. But that first one is getting a relationship with a higher power, the first three, and the spiritual principles, which I love underlying these programs, the 12-step programs, is mm. honesty first, open-mindedness in this in second. Well, it doesn't go in that order, but I, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness. Those mm. three spiritual principles, mm. once you place them in every situation in life, things work out for the better. Mm. And the fourth, fifth, and sixth, very powerful relationship with yourself, a relationship with the seventh, eighth, and ninth relationship with others gets mm. settled, settled, mm. and then the maintenance steps, the 10, 11, 12. But those, that cycle through will keep going. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I love them. Yeah, I, I really do too. Yeah. Div- and, divinely ordered. Yeah, and I've actually heard that the bloke who figured out these 12 steps, and I'm not sure whether I should say this, but it's pretty mm. sure it's the truth. He figured them out while he was tripping on acid. I yeah, just... that was a classic. That was a classic. Yeah, that was um, Bill W., one of the guys that was working on it. He he went for LSD. And yes. uh, I'm sure that psychedelics, if you want to call them that, psychedelics, have their place in sorting the human mind out. I'm like... Um, there's a lot of work going on there that. right now, yeah, right? Like yeah, Johns very, Hopkins very University, they're, they're doing a lot. I think there's even a, a joint in Australia, MAPS, who are... Psilocybin. Um, yeah, yeah, psilocybin. Mm. and um, Very powerful. Yeah, helping people, particularly yeah. in palliative care, uh, take more of a, a bird's eye approach. Yeah. I've, I've read some really, really yeah. interesting stuff there. There's some some amazing stuff. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we go through therapy and it can take 15, 20 years, and yet sometimes... Under, mm. where, I think what we're investigating now is that it's possible that some of that can actually be really dramatically fast forwarded, connecting our yeah. conscious with our unconscious, which is, of course, yeah. 95% of our thought processes. We think that what we're thinking and feeling right now, that's sort of us. Well, that's 5% no. of us. That's the tip mm. of the iceberg. Everything else is what's yeah. Well, my experience with psychedelics goes back. <laughs> I mean, I, I experimented with it, not like to a large degree, but my, just because I just like to explore, you know, it's just adventurous and I didn't mind the feeling of kind of, kind of going off uh, and feeling a little out of control. I didn't mind that and part of the journey and my experience with any of that type of, I'm sure you've got to take great caution and it's not like something you just like I tell you to go and do like any old day just no, for the we, fun of it. We should be very clear. <laughs> but, we are not advocating yeah, yeah, that yeah. people just go out. Yeah, just uh, recreationally walk around and do this stuff. But my experience with it had, had didn't have an addictive charge. It didn't have the same kind of addictive charge as the drugs that I like to use addictively, yeah. the drugs like uh, crystal methamphetamine, mm. um, cocaine, ecstasy, alcohol, um, pot to some degree, but not really addictive. I wasn't, I'm an addict and I just like feeling really fucking good. So, and I want to do it all the time. So <laughs> that's a part of my nature. But 
this stuff open open my mind to I had a sometimes I had a fantastic time like incredibly incredibly wonderful beautiful experience and other times I had a dark dark dive into uh, God knows where. So, and lucky I came out the other side okay, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that was my experience. But it never made me, oh, shit, I, I want to go back and I could better get some more of that because I've got to have it every day. No, yeah, it wasn't like that for me. It's not mm. like In that. fact, it broke that. If anything, it snapped that mm. away. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, I think there's also people who use uh, ayahuasca to actually mm. break addiction as well. I know Dr. Mm. Gabor Mate, he, he certainly is right into that mm. sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a yeah. very interesting world of uh, mind <clears throat> medicine that's starting to open up to us. But yeah. well, when, when we get locked in a rigid way of just one way and we get locked into this rigid, just our mind gets rigidly locked in, especially if we're suffering from depression, our mind becomes very rigid and locked in. I know Sam Harris, one of the greatest intellectuals alive today, he talks about the if taking LSD is like strapping yourself to a rocket and being catapulted out through the stratosphere, then meditating is much more like hoisting a sail in a sailboat and mm. slowly just getting sort of drifting mm. with the mind because, of course, anything, you know, any any experience that anybody's ever had using these very, very powerful hallucinogens is likely being had by somebody who's absolutely dead sober and is just yeah. meditating and, and mm. there's some... Mm incredible insights that we can actually mm. receive but i'm sure our viewers have heard us bang on and on about meditating <laughs> a fair bit i don't want to bore the uh, living highly highly re- highly recommend it highly I recommend highly it. recommend it yeah, it's, so it's actually you know it is one of the things uh, meditation regular meditation experiencing ourselves yeah we will actually go to that place that that the ayahuasca that the the hallucinogens will download very abruptly like you just mentioned you described it just then we will get that incrementally in a very very soft way it's much more gentle yeah but it's real and and it's unbounded Mm. yeah deeply inside i've got a couple of maybe rapid fire questions although there's some pretty hefty questions that i've got and i wouldn't mind just throwing them at you first question for you tom is what does it mean to be a real man? <laughs> honest, just being honest as best you possibly can and loving, you know, just honest and loving. And how, maybe this is asking the same question again, but let's just see what you come up with. How can we be the best versions of ourselves as men? Just be who you are right now. That's it. That's all we need to be. And it's a funny one, the best version of myself. It's happening right now. Like it's, I can't be any better than what I am right this second, even if I try. So it's a tricky one, that one. Maybe because you're, you're being, being so honest. You're being like going mm, back to the first mm. one. 
Yes, yeah, and and you're being the best version. I mean, it's a tricky one. You know, whatever we're doing in this very moment as the best version of ourselves, if we want to say that, it's a tricky one for me, that one, but because I always want to be better. (laughs) But I think that we're doing exactly what we need to be to be who we are right now. That's it. We, We can't be anything more than what we are this very second, but we can take actions that will actually create a possible future that we can't be in now, but we can sort of particularly do good things for our health right this second and actually both mentally, physically, uh, in all different directions, we can absorb the best things we can do for ourselves in this moment so we can be available to whoever that might be in the future. Mm. Deep. (laughs) Love it. It's okay. There. How about this one? What is strength? And where does it come from? Wow. Strength is so many different things. It's, uh, I think, resilience. Strength is resilience. Strength is sitting within as a state of resilience. And it's always shifting and changing that. Uh, we can build and nurture and cultivate it mm-hmm. in what we're doing this present moment. And that's strength to me. It's resilience. It doesn't just, when, you, when you're speaking resilience, it doesn't just have to be this, this strength. No, it's, no, it's, it's got it's, nothing. It's this mm. psychological strength as mm. well mm. that we're, I'll mm. give you an example of you being strong. How about that moment when you actually deleted the phone number? Yeah, boom. Can you I describe to, that? That was a moment where I really realised the gap between thought and action. That's when I really came to realise what meditation had been doing for me. So a lot of people who are listening to this and watching this don't mm. know the phone number that we're talking about. They okay. don't know the so context. A, okay, so I just saw the dealer who I, I, I used to score the crystal methamphetamine off for the first time since, I, since I've been in recovery. I've been in recovery for six months. I was having a happy, beautiful day. I didn't even think about using. I wasn't even thinking about drugs. I was really feeling happy in recovery. So being feeling happy in recovery, I was sitting there in a car and a car pulls, comes in from the side. It's just a big roundabout and there's no other car in sight and it's the first time I've seen my dealer. Now, as soon as I see this guy, and it's funny, it'll happen to all of us, is that we think we've changed. Some aspect of us has, but... As soon as we see someone that we haven't seen for quite a while, we'll go back to exactly the same time and space as we were just talking with them, and we'll talk with them in very, very similar ma- manner and fashion. It's amazing how this happens. All of a sudden, I'm talking with him in the in the roundabout in our cars. I'm going, "How you going?" And last time I talked to him, I was scoring drugs off him. Mm. Oh, oh, I haven't Slip got your number. Straight back Let into that. Get- yeah, let me give, give you your number. I'll put my number in your phone. Okay. And he goes, yeah, it's on this afternoon. It's happening. I said, okay, let's do it. I've got to use All of a sudden I'm doing, I'm back in, like six months, clean, sober, happy life. Everything's happening. People are accepting me back in their life. All this positive stuff's happening. And I'm like, it's, it's all about to come undone. I drive out of that, you know, I'm going in the opposite direction. He's sort of going the other way. He's exiting and I'm going the other way. And I'm looking, I'm just looking at the phone number. It's in there. I could save it or I could delete it. And I, without, I just deleted it because I, 
it was just a hoax. I could feel it, that that was, you know, and I had enough gap between my first thought was to save and then go on a rampage. And then my daughters wouldn't have had me. My, you know, my, yeah, my, my life could have gone any direction at that point. So that was, you know, almost 14 years ago. Uh, it was 13 and a half years ago. So it's like 13 and a half years in the opposite direction than what I've been going on. <laughs> Wouldn't have been pretty if I'd been still alive here today. So I was straight on the phone to my sponsor in, in the Narcotics Anonymous. That's what you do. You ring up someone, the connection, mm. make a connection, make the connection, help. Express yourself, I seek just, help. Fuck, help. You can believe it. I felt like I was on the drugs because right. that's what happens. The placebo yeah. is already working inside us. I felt like, like oh, I'm going to be on it, you know. Ah, you know, this part of me just starts coming out. I'm like, ah, help, get on the phone. Muzz was mixing up mud because he worked as a bricky and he said, I can't talk to you right now, but pray like fuck. I go, and I go, rang up someone else, had another connection because I always get to have connections in that recovery. And just, I got on to another person. He was available, had a lovely chat, and I just, he kind of talked me down off the perch a bit. Yeah. And uh, of myself, because I was up and then down, oh, my God, thank God. And, and then I went to a meeting, which we do yeah. actually go for, yeah. into a space where no one else talks, person talking, we get to reflect on what's going on. So if we don't have that reflection state and we don't actually have silence where we sit and reflect, things will, will jump out of, oh, no, that I'll jump out of my body to try and fix it. And that doesn't work coming in is the key and there's nothing to fear but i need other people to show me that i can't at that point when i'm so caught up up here i can't see it so i just have to have examples in front of me that i can see and there's something going between me and those people in the room or whoever it is even if they're talking about the situation that i was just in there's something else happening and that's a healing of the mind and the spirit yeah, I can't touch and I can't grab, I can't pay money for, I can't, I can't do that. I've yeah. got another question for you that I think will mm. work mm. for what you're talking about right mm. now. What, what does connection mean to you and how do you find it and how do we find it? Uh, taking initiative and taking a risk. Taking a risk, being a bit vulnerable. Yeah, taking a risk with our feelings and with someone, letting them know who we are inside no matter what it is. And it takes sometimes take a little bit of, you know, but that's building up the courage and then peeling, peeling off the clothing and the masks mm. <laughs> and the masks, let the masks down. You don't have to be this sort of thing that society or culture tells me to be because I'm dying inside <laughs> to let it out. We're all struggling, aren't we? It doesn't yeah, matter yeah, who you are. You can be the yeah. Prince of Arabia or yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can be driving around. You'd be the CEO of the yeah. multinational company yeah. with a you know, Mercedes freaking this and that and really big high-up status, a lot of status. And you got houses, you, you're killing it, and then you could be a little <laughs> old lady uh, sort of doctor shopping. You can be doesn't matter this condition is so broad-minded, so open-minded and broad addiction. It is the most open-minded, broad entity I've ever come across. And it's happening to all of us 
no one is exempt. But it doesn't have to go to where I took it. Right. It just has to be seen. It just has to be witnessed. Because you're talking about addiction now, and it doesn't mm, just mm. have to be drugs, does mm, it? Can you mm, give us some no. other examples? What, what, like, because we think about addiction, we're like, mm. oh, you're a drug. Well, it's, mm. it's all about drugs. What are some other addictions that we can, that we can? This, have? this little rectangle. Oh Jesus! That is we're that looking through. Is that is that the end of this? Is that well, you're just trying to shut it all down right now? Is that what's going? No, on? no, it's the stuff that's telling us to get to it. Right. Okay, yeah. so yeah. it's actually it's actually designed off a poker machine. Mm. It's designed completely off a poker machine, so you get told to go into it all the time. Yeah, and and whatever it's got for you, it's going to grab you because there trillions of dollars that have yeah. gone into back to back this connection to try to tell you you're going to get a connection out of it. Some part of it's true because we're connecting. Yeah. That's, some part. Yeah, it's not all bad. It's not yeah, all good, yeah. is it? It's some part of it's good. And yeah. so that's the tricky thing it is. is that we have to see, mm. to stand back to see what's actually working for us and working against us. Mm. So hours and hours on Instagram looking, mm. about, looking at other people looking like they're doing better than me will completely fuck me up and it doesn't it's merciless so because we're talking about ego here ego is not mine it's not yours it's just ego it's collective so we get this idea that where if if an ego is always got to have a job okay it's always look on to do a job and particularly tell that person there that you're or try to get an edge because it's a competitive, it's it's a thing, a survival mechanism. It's rigged into the system. You used to have to kill animals and you know fight tribes off and da 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 da. It's rigged in there. Today we don't have to do that. We've just got to discern, become more discerning about what it is that I'm seeing that's making me feel uncomfortable. Ah, do I need to keep looking at that? No, I don't need to do that. I could just turn it off. It's addictive because it's just pulling me back in greatest addiction that we have to have to address yeah we have to address this addiction Mm. we are gone for the gallons (laughs) we're gone and we're all in it Mm. we're all in it i'm one i am and it's only going to get more and more powerful because Mm. we're talking about ai here really like there's not any one single person who Mm. knows how all of these algorithms all feed in together and yet the other interesting point they just pointed out is that it's not all bad. I mean, you know, we're no. talking about mental health here. Mm. We're talking about masculinity mm. more broadly. This stuff's going to go on social media. Like, that's a good thing. Mm. We want people yeah. to be able to pick up on this yeah. stuff. It's just you've got to learn how to control it. I've recently just yeah. gone and deleted Facebook off my phone, and it was good. one of the best things that I've done because mm. now I have to access it through my yeah. through my, my computer, and it's like, crack for my brain you know it just yeah. I, I just it, like i'll get on these videos it's like you surfing and then next mm-hmm. thing it's some ufc yeah, fight yeah, and then it's uh, it's babies uh, eating lemons and then mm, yeah, people's yeah. like da, you da, know da, 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 da. I'm like, How yeah little cute little animals doing this and, and then there's just knows and then there's my, my daughter and then there's my yeah. other daughter and then there's my other daughter and that's what they're doing and i can yeah. see what the other person's doing and yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like it's like it's just candy yeah i think candy the, the, the point that i'm trying to allude at more broadly as well uh yes and you pointed out a wonderful addiction for the times that we are in today with social media but there's mm. also 
we can have workaholism can be an addiction where our relationship Mm. at home with our partners Mm. shit so what do we do Mm. we just bury ourselves Mm. in our work Mm. and just don't Mm. have to do it we're still just avoiding you know numbing whatever it is that we're going Mm. through you know it can be Mm. control over food or whatever i really wanted to uh, get into stuck into you about um because i don't know much about this stuff about control and about addiction but i don't think we've really got very much time we'll be able to do another but 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 the aspect of us that creates addiction is control. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're just trying to get control of this shit. And when we practice a meditation, we are doing this in this one practice that I'm teaching twice a day, 20 minutes, offering myself to a mantra that takes me the other way than my thoughts and relinquishing control altogether. So just giving my mind an experience of myself in without control starts to be so charming that I'm actually getting to see my beingness, my human beingness. When I'm in full tilt addiction, I'm I'm looking outside for outer referral all the time. So there's no chance I can see my being or your being that you're actually a human being. And so this thing and all the things that it represents uh, at this point in time is a highly out of referral mind on a collective basis. So we're out of referral all the time. So meditation is another time. It's an antidote to the addictive mind. It's a, that's all I can say. And, yeah, uh, and I highly, yeah. highly regard. Yeah, yeah, what we're doing is going for direct experience of ourselves. It sounds really scary to some of us, but. Well, probably bloody it's not, is. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, I'll bang on about that. No, 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 it's good. It's, it's good. Really we've, gone, yeah, we've certainly mentioned it. Yeah. I've got your book here, Tom. Yeah. Here it is, TC. Yeah. It's also from of my, this is from the Goldfields Library. You can get it cool. at the library, but you should. Yeah. Libraries are great, but you should go and buy yeah. it because it's a bloody great read. It. You're so honest about who you really are, and and for me, that's mm. that's real leadership. That's Thanks. one of the things that it it means to be a real man is to is this mm. um, openness and through your leadership, through you showing mm. us who you really are, gives us mm. all bloody permission to to yeah. be more of who we really really are. That's and so cool. I love the um. It's clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a cracking. It's a cracker. It's a real cracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, if you've got everyone, go out and buy the book. It's a great book. And meditate. Any other take homes you got for everybody, Tom? Look, I'd use Instagram to teach meditation. Right. And so, if you're on Instagram, like billions of people are, yeah. Um, go to Thomas Victor Carroll, and come along. And for one of my meditations, I do them. Um, on a Tuesday morning at 5.50 a.m., I'm on Instagram Live. I use this platform to give this practice, so it's kind of cool. So I do a 15-minute meditation from 6 to 6.15 on a Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday morning. So that's, you access it uh, through Instagram, do you? Instagram, yeah, you can do it. And it's, that's Eastern Australian Eastern Daylight Time now, and when it's out of daylight, time you know of course in australia eastern um australian eastern standard time so yeah so you you can come along and uh and join in i usually got quite a few crew on and and it's nice i just 
uh, talk meditation and then we go in and then we come out. It's just simple, 15 minutes to get, get going early in the morning. Unreal, man. And we yeah. just find you. It's easy enough to find you on Insta, is it? So, yeah, Thomas Victor Carroll. It's my whole name. Beautiful. At Thomas Victor Carroll. Yeah. You just punch in Tom Kelly, you'll see Thomas yeah. Victor Carroll. And you see my melon come up. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. you gorgeous melon. Yeah, hey, Thomas classic. Victor Carroll, mate. Yeah. Seriously, namaste. Like, it's, uh, it's been an absolute honour to have you. Yeah. On the show, like really, um, thank you so much. Um, uh, I've really, really enjoyed connecting with you. Uh, you're you're a beautiful yeah. man, and and uh, you've thank been you. one of my heroes for for all of my life, and now even even more so. Just really, really grateful for you putting yourself out there, and very, 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 very generous person. Well, thank you for your genuine work, Dave. You know, and and your genuine disposition, and uh, and what you're doing. It's like it's beautiful. Thank Thanks, you. Mate. I really appreciate that. It's very kind. So that's a wrap. Massive thanks to Quicksilver Board Riders for facilitating this interview and to Tom himself for making time to come along too. For any of you who missed it, on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday mornings, Tom uses Instagram Live to conduct a 15-minute meditation starting at 5.50 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. His handle is at Thomas Victor Carroll, two R's, two L's with Carroll. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please click subscribe to our podcast to be kept up to date. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a number of ways that you can do this too. You can share it with your friends via social media or email, or you can give it a good review on any of the platforms from where you accessed it. Finally, if you need immediate help or are at risk or harm to yourself or others, call triple zero immediately. For other urgent support, you can call Lifeline on 131114, Suicide Line on 1300 651 251, or if you want to talk about men's mental health specifically, then you can also call Men's Line on 1300 789 978. All of these services are available 24 hours, 7 days a week, and are free of charge. Till next time, take care, and I hope to see you again soon.